Welcome back to the Dr. James Show. I am Dr. James A. Smith Jr. And as always, I'm thrilled to be here. Hope everyone had a phenomenal weekend, long weekend, and that you are buckled up, ready for another Dr. James experience. One quick word from Rachel, who's not going to be with be with us today. She did say the Pyramid Club is open again. It has reopened with modified hours, I believe, from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. So come on back. She says she misses everyone. Speaking of missing, Shannon, I've missed you. A week has gone by. Are you ready to do this again? I'm excited. I'm excited and I'm loving the topic. Yeah, what, what, what about the topic is, is really resonating with you? I think mental health, I think we finally, with the current climate, have permission to be honest with ourselves and with others when we're struggling a little bit. So I think this is uh, on point and very timely. So for me, I'm going to sop it up like some, <laughs> some biscuits and some gravy, and I'm taking it all for myself. So if there happens to be anything left for the participants, you're more than welcome to have some. <laughs> you want to you want to give our folks out there their viewing orders yeah participation orders yes welcome back everyone who's joined us before in the past uh, if you're new welcome we're excited to have you um if you enjoy the show today please invite a friend moving forward um we have two wonderful women who are going to share um their experiences and their subjects matter experts today but we ask for your involvement as well ask your questions, share your comments. We're going to do our best to get your questions answered, share your comments with our, our, our guests, and um, hopefully we're all better after this, uh, this segment. So uh, super excited. Welcome. Don't forget to participate. And uh, let's do this hour. All right, here we go. Two phenomenal guests. We have Sabria Dobbins and Lynn Delgadio. Sabria is the president, owner, founder of Project Passport, and she'll be telling us about that shortly. And Lynn is an integrative health and mind style coach. Yes, yes, welcome to the Dr. James Show. How are you today? Gonna unmute. Okay. Doing good. Doing great. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> Sabria, where are you? Where's home? I am in Raleigh, North Carolina right now. All right. Love it. Love it. And Lynn, where's home for you? I am not too far from Miss Bria. I am in Morrisville, North Carolina, just outside Raleigh. So we bringing down south up to the north today because we're <laughs> in the Philly area. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Let's, let's begin our conversation because like Shannon, I'm, I'm very, very, very curious about this topic. I, it's almost as if it's just landed on my radar screen. I've known about it, but of late, I've been hearing more and more and more about it. But before we go there, how did you get here? How did you get on this journey? What moved you to say, I'm going to take up this cause? And let's, let's go with Sabria. Yeah, so I did not plan to be on this pathway for sure. I originally was the typical high school graduate, excited, wet behind the ears, ready to go to vet school. You know, everybody wants to be a veterinarian when they're growing up, right? Mm. And that rapidly changed throughout my college career because I ended up facing some severe anxiety, severe depression, to the point where I would look at myself in the mirror each day and question if I was even worth living. 
Um, it was really hard for me. I remember having to go to mandatory counseling while in college because I had a severe nervous breakdown that uh, my mom got concerned and called the police and everything. It was a whole thing. Um, I had some really tough moments. I was an overachiever, 4.0 student throughout my college career. So everybody thought that I had it all together when little did they know I had nothing together. Wow. And that's when the journey kind of started with my mental health and me getting into this mental health thing. And I graduated with honors, valedictorian, mm -hmm. still unhappy. Got a successful job in real estate, still unhappy. And I realized there was not a sacred space for people to deal with what was going on here, right? Because everything starts with here. Mm. So I, there was nowhere for anybody on my, in my companies when I was working with them. There was no one in school. It just was really hard. And so I finally realized that, you know what? It's time for me to do something. I'm going to create that space if it doesn't exist. I'm mm. going to create that experience. And that's when I launched my company, Project Passport, for my mental empowerment retreats that I do now. And another moment happened, another turning point, actually late last year, beginning of this year. Um, my brother experienced a psychotic break while in college. So we spent Christmas in the ER. Wow. And at that moment, me having to drop everything I had been working on and coming to support him, it reminded me of why the work I do is so critical. Because I, everybody's at any given point on a spectrum of mental health. Everybody thinks that, oh, well, he has that mental illness or she, no, anybody can have that point of a nervous breakdown or a psychotic break. And so now the work I do is focused on getting you before you get to that place. Wow, that's good. Dealing with my brother's situation, it was just like a, a, a reinforcement and a reminder of why I do the work that I do and why it's sure. critical. So those were kind of my turning point. And I'm looking forward to finding out more about the work that you do. Lynn, how about you? How did you get here? What what was your journey? What's your journey been about getting to this space right now? Yeah, this um, was quite by accident, uh, quite literally by accident, in fact, because mm. I was, you know, I say I'm a recovering banker. I was in corporate America, which my adult life um, worked with one of the at that point, big five firms, um, you know, like a rat on the wheel, um, traveling constantly, not knowing what airport I was was in or what state I was waking up in because it's just we were flying all over the place all the time working 110 or more hours I um, mean kind of wearing it like a badge of honor you know and whoever could run themselves into the ground more was the hero of this very bizarre and I'll, I always had this interest in health and wellness on the side um, and you know we when we talk about physical physical form and physical wellness it's a good thing but when we talk about mental health it kind of has this bad stigma and, and it should not. Um, but I was, so I was a very highly functioning professional, avid athlete, um, was running 70, 80 miles a week. Um, oh my. Or if, yeah. Or if I was cycling, I was cycling 350 miles a week. I did the whole West coast on my bike. I mean, I was in it. And, um, until I wasn't, um, I had in 2014, I had just finished, uh, like a nine mile run and I said, yeah, I'm feeling really good. I've got the whole weekend ahead of me, I'm going to go to the gym and do some weights. And I sat down at the lap pull down machine, loaded 80 pounds and started pulling. And on one of the pulls, the entire system snapped until the thing came in crashing into my head with a force of 80 pounds, which immediate TBI uh, rotated and twisted my axis. So um, bad neck injury. And then the seated position created a hyper shifting in the low back. And then that created formation of a cyst on my spinal cord. 
and it was a very long road to recovery. But um, the turning point was in the healing process where mm. people, I was alone here too. I was new to the Raleigh area. And so try to talk about learning to ask for help real quickly. Sure. So um, people would call to check on me from up north and, and they would yell. They would, they were so angry because the extent of the injury kept me from seeing the extent of the injury. But mm. they could see like, this is horrible. What are you going to do? Aren't you mad? Aren't you this? Aren't you that? And, and my, when I heard that, or if I thought of my medical bills and the potential for BK bankruptcy, I would literally, literally feel my brain swell in my head. I would get IPA, nausea, dizziness, and I was literally re-traumatizing myself through this stress. So my first very profound yet simple lesson was think bad thoughts, feel bad, but think good thoughts, feel good. And then I realized I don't have to wait for bad thoughts to replace them. I can select what I want to think about. Right. I can. And so it sent me on this journey that over time sent me to a state of bliss and purpose and just flowing in my flow as if, and, and it made me realize wow, this is how we're supposed to live, but mm. very few of us do. And when I learned two years into the process, all the neuroscience behind why all these things were working so profoundly for me, just by listening to my body's response, mm. then I knew I, this, I've got to help people. So that was my transition. I left corporate America and now this is my, my mission is to help people like we, we said earlier, to create a better mind style because mm. our the the manner in which in the practice of, of how we think is what I refer to as the mind style that really informs how we're gonna show up and experience our life. With with that said, thank you. With that said, Sabria, how are you doing that? I, I, I know you do with Project Passport retreats and then a pandemic, you had to pivot. So how how are you living this mission? Uh, from a distance and just talk us through some of the daily experiences you have working with your clients and customers. Yes. So it's funny. Project Passport was launched, you know, 2019. And then as soon as 2020 hit and we had a beautiful lineup of retreats ready for the, the year, um, everything shut down. So we actually would have been in Kenya about two months ago back in July. Oh. Yes, that's devastating. We had a whole group of women that were going to be taking out for some self-discovery work. And so you guys don't go around the corner. You were going to Kenya. Yes, we were going places. We had Iceland on the agenda, Croatia. I mean, we were going places. And each location had a tie to a mental well-being focus. So whether we were going in Kenya for self-discovery, whether we were going to Iceland for learning to, to quell your fears and think bigger, whether we're going to Croatia to, Croatia to open the adventure in you, we had a different place wow. for a different focus of your well-being in your life. Because to me, mental health is not just, you know, okay, anxiety or depression. Mental health is purpose. Mental health is knowing what you value, is knowing who you are. It's racial justice. Mental health is all those things. And, I, and I, that's the work that we do. We believe it's all that. It's everything about you. It's your spirituality. It's all of it. So... We actually ended up having to take a hiatus. I had to take a step back because I was like, oh gosh, everything I ever put together is falling apart. And no, 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 no give us more of that because you're, you're moving through that pain too quickly. What was <laughs> that like having to cancel that trip, that airline tickets, hotels, rebooking? I mean, take us through it. It was an 
a painstaking process. I'm gonna be honest with you. My mental health really suffered during that time because imagine spending an entire year building a model based on these wellness travel retreats of going to these different places. And now the whole world, because of a pandemic's telling you, you can't do anything, you can't go anywhere. So I went to a place where I'm not gonna lie, I was crying daily. I was in a place where my fiance was having to talk me through, you know, should I even continue? Should I just let this thing go? Maybe in my head, I'm thinking, dang, maybe, maybe this was stupid. Maybe I was wrong all along. Maybe this isn't what I should be doing, you know? And I, I really went down that really dark path of kind of, you know, am I even doing what I'm supposed to be doing anymore? Wow. And it got to a point where I couldn't really get on calls with people. I would get to this place of, of just getting really depressed and frustrated. So I didn't even want to talk to people, to be honest with you. And I felt bad because I canceled a lot of meetings on people because I was just in a really you know, hard, dark place for me. And I ended up talking to some one lady and she said to me, she was like, Sabria, why don't you just take a hiatus, take some time off? And I'm like, Ooh. okay, well, what's that gonna do for me? I'm like, time off, what is that gonna do? At this point, it's already screwed up. I need to beat on so I can fix it. And so I ended up, you know, going ahead and I went on and just took the time off and it was the best thing I could have ever done for myself. I call it the healthy hiatus. And mm. the reason why was because I was able to go back into me, pull myself back into me and say, Sabria, how long are you going to stay there? That's what I asked myself. How long are you going to stay there? How long is that going to work for you? And I mean, I literally looked at myself in the mirror saying, what, are you going to just let this whole thing you built and put together with your team go to nothing? Are you going to find a way to pivot from this? And now we're in a place where we're one of the only companies in the entire U.S. or probably world that is holding mental empowerment retreats in the way that we're doing it. So we ended up taking the Blitz style experience we would have created physically and made it virtual. And wow. so what we do now is our retreats are, are hands-on blitz style activities. So for every given topic, whether it's stress management, intentional productivity, racial justice, we do several interactive activities within that topic. So people are getting different tools thrown at them into their toolkit of mental health and well-being. Boom, boom. And we're changing every couple of minutes or every 10 to 15 minutes or so, changing that. So if you don't like that activity, don't worry, because 10 minutes later, we're doing something else. Nice. And that is the style that we're doing. It's very unique to our company. No one else really does that model in our, in our industry the way that we do it. And it's totally changed um, how our clients receive mental well-being. It's, it's made mental well-being experimental and not a process of being taught at and right. told at. You're being experimenting. You're in it. You have to do the work. I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to tell you why it's important. I'm going to explain why it matters. And then you're going to do it. And then we're going to talk about it. And that's right. how all of our retreat models work. So I love it. It's, it's the absolute best thing that could have ever happened to us because now we're in a place where we're not only holding virtual retreats for company clients and women that we serve, but we're also going to have the physical in person in the future again, where we'll have both models going. So an that's excellent you know example of living what you give. Yes, living, living what, what you give. And thank you for being vulnerable and candid and sharing that mental health situations are not, or where am I looking for? They don't discriminate. They don't. They don't discriminate. Lynn, how about you? What are you doing these days? And, and how are you living your mission? Yeah, I, you know, I empathize with Sapria, and uh, I think I met you right around that time too. And uh, you know, uh, I had really gone gung ho with um, LD Consulting last year, 
and finally had, you know, my book came out last year and I finally had, you know, yes, March, April, May, June, calendar full, and then erased. So um, I had a pivot um, and it was just around that time that I had thought about doing a summit with these experts all around the world. And we were going to do one on immunity. We weren't really sure, but then COVID hit and we said, okay, that's it. We're doing that because really people need to build their immune system to get through this. And then we, um, we decided, I'd, so I've been working on these summits. I'm still doing my coaching. I've got one-on-one. I've got a number of group coaching programs. Um, I promote my book. Um, I talk to people with TBI and other injuries. Um, I have what I refer to as my six impact imperatives, which I'll get to in a moment. Mm-hmm. But um, the summits are really um, for everyone. Um, so the one I just finished was immunity. We're launching another in a couple weeks on, um, it's called Blessed and De-Stressed. Um, and again, speakers from all over the world. The next one's going to be on PTSD, anxiety, depression, or we're going to do one on kids. So any number of um, topics. And we view the topics from a holistic, um, um, wide variety of lenses. Sure. Um, some traditional approaches, some never maybe thought of. And um, so those are kind of things I'm doing. But, you know, I look at in my work, I always start here. I always start with the mind. Where is your mindset? And what do we need to shift? And I've got so many strategies, but the things that became very important to me in my um, my uh, journey um, mm-hmm. were a awareness because some people don't even know that they're they're suffering from stress until it's there's a physical manifestation in the body. Um, that became very important, and how to gain that awareness and maintain that awareness. Appreciation was I can't even overstate the. Imp- the importance of being in a state of appreciation because um, you, you cannot be in a place of growth and healing when you are in the amygdala and we're all in it these days. I mean, you can only be in one region of the brain at one time. I didn't know how, why that was so important at the time. Um, curiosity, incredibly important. Um, and, and emotion and, you know, being able to, to align an emotion with your intention of, hey, I want to be this in my future. It's one thing to say affirmations, but if you can't believe it in your body and get, you you know, when you can align an emotion with that intention, you're sending a signal to your body as if it's already happened. Mm. Um, And of course, commitment, those are my impact imperatives. Um, But my thing is all, when you start to evaluate the, the manner in which you think, and the stories that you tell yourself, and you really look at that, that the known self or personality versus the true self, and you start to strip away all those lies. I refer to it as those thoughts, those toxic thoughts are really just clouds that mm-hmm. are kind of around that ever-present sun that is your soul, that's your spirit. And when you can close the gap between that known personality self and that true core essence of who you came here to be, that is where the power is and that is where your purpose is and it's it's so freeing to get to that space so that's that's what i'm all about this is for both of you or either of you how does one know how does one come create that epiphany that yeah i'm 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 going through something mentally what what do you tell people or yeah Sabria, you were leaning in. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, uh, yes. So I think that a lot of it starts with 
asking yourself, I literally will say out loud, people think I'm crazy, but I'll say, Sabria, what's bothering you? Sabria, what's going on? Wow. Sabria, what is it? What is it, Sabria? You feel weird, something's off. What is it? What is it, Sabria? I will literally ask myself out loud, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling that kind of itch? Because you, we all know when we feel that little irk, that little itch, like something, somebody says something, it got you a little feeling some type of way. We all have that little feeling. And a lot of times it's a snowball from other things that happened that day, right? Because what happens is what you see in the world oftentimes comes from what you project from your head. So if you're having a bad day, then someone's words are going to come across a lot more cutting than they maybe have, would have come across had you had a good day to start with. You know what I'm saying? So it's usually that snowball effect. So the first thing to do is just ask yourself, what are you feeling right now? Where are you? You know, journal. Sometimes when you just freehand write, you won't even know what comes out onto that paper until you look down and read it because you don't even know what's going on, but your subconscious knows what's going on. Your subconscious is wiser than your conscious because your subconscious is storing everything that you got that you have going. It has all your memories, it has all the little experiences, it has all the little moments, the little peripheral moments going on in your day to day. So I think tapping into that subconscious is tapping into your higher level of wisdom within. And that'll get you to your first place of knowledge of what is happening. That's deep. Lynn, you want to co-sign that? Yeah, I will definitely co-sign that. I agree with everything. Um, how do we get there? I mean, I, you know, pre-COVID, somewhere around 70% of us were walking around in a chronic state of stress. That was pre-COVID. Um, people working, there are 91% of people working remotely for the first time say they are uh, experienced moderate, moderate to extreme stress. Um, 70 to 80% say that this is the most stressful time in their entire life. So I think we all know that we're walking around with some level of something. And like Spria said, somatic responses are the best indicators. There's somatic responses and your emotions. If you are feeling something in your gut or your neck or your chest or your ear, or shoulders up in your ears, something's going on up here. And, and again, Sabria made a good point. 95% of this stuff is in the subconscious. Mm. So we have to take the time to, to really gain awareness of what's happening. Somatic responses are huge. Our emotions are huge. Every time we have a thought, good or bad, there is a chemical biological reaction in the body. Your brain has a response and says, let's say you have positive thinking. It sends like dopamine, oxytocin, vesopressin. Your body has a good feeling and a, a related emotion and just sends a signal back to the brain, everything's cool. Okay, boom, done. But when you are in this chronic stressful thinking, very different chemical um, neurotransmitters, not so good feeling, bad emotion, poor signal back to the brain, brain says, oh my God, anxiety, psh, more chemicals. Now, so you pay attention to your emotions because you, they're an indicator something's out of alignment here. And what was I just thinking about? What was I just watching? And get away from the, I call it the CVNN, the Coronavirus News Network. I'm gonna and ask you about even, that. <laughs> yeah, even if you're in the kitchen doing dishes and that they call it TV programming, for a reason. So if you've got that in the background and they have their messaging, it's a, it's a really refined model. It's going in there and it's really bad for your mental health to have that on all day. And, you know, it's so, it's really imperative that people shut that down. Um, but those are a couple ways to at least come to some awareness that we are experiencing something and most of us are. Wow. We'll be coming back to the coronavirus impact shortly. Shannon, what's happening out there?
No, I just, um, you know, we're just, I'm just kind of reiterating some thoughts. These, these are all like nuggets that I'm trying to put in the chat room. So folks who are taking notes and trying to absorb everything um, have, uh, but Dr. Jones made a great point. You know, he said the morning sets such a big foundation for the day. And he starts with his prayer and Bible study to get centered. And he reminds himself during the day that sometimes he needs to just slow down and control his thoughts, which I think are great because our thoughts really, um, we can almost manifest them into truth and, 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 and create something that really doesn't exist. And also um, we have, let's see, uh, we have, I want a Lori who says, if you have not attended any of their uh, retreats, please make sure you do so because they are um, amazing. Um, Is Lori a family member? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I would, I have a, a, a question, Dr. James, if it's okay. Um, do you think that you, do you find that folks have, um, a tough time asking for help because of fear of judgment or even denial and or denial that is going on um, because they're so used to that state of mind that they don't that is like that's their norm like do you have a, do you think people have a tough time asking for help i absolutely do um, and case in point, a friend of mine was afraid to ask for that help and committed suicide. She killed herself and her three dogs back in July because she was afraid to ask for that help. Um, and there are many people who have survived um, suicide attempt gone wrong. One of them, um, when the pain got too, too much for me to take after my injury, um, but I suck at suicide and I'm fortunate, but a lot of people, um, you <laughs> well, know. Glenn, you suck at that, Glenn. If you're going to suck at that, that I suck at that. <laughs> I'm an overachiever, but for that, that didn't work out so well for me, but um, I, I'm kidding. It's a serious, it's a yeah. serious, serious subject. Um, there's a guy, um, one of my connections on LinkedIn, he actually pulled the trigger on himself and it, and it, there was, it didn't work. It was a faulty whatever and it, the gun didn't work the way it was supposed to, but um, he was afraid to ask for help. Um, and it's, it's in that asking, and I think it's um, imperative that we all as a collective make it easier we're in a place where we have to help each other and realize that we are a community more so than ever. It's so critical that we are, that we come together, but yeah, that's the trouble. Um, knowing the resources are there and taking the shame out of asking for help. Yeah. We are each other's keeper. That's what I tell people. We are each other's keepers as human beings on earth. And you know, the work that I do, I always want people to feel like they're home. They're in a sacred space. They're in a, a very safe psychological space to be. And so that's why with our retreats, we try not to, to really overuse the words like mental health or make those words that are so stigmatized be the forefront. Because if I bring you in for just some work on, if we're just talking about, you know, finding out who you are or your purpose, while it's going to be a whole mental well-being experience, I can just at least bring you in by just you hearing the word purpose or by you hearing the word self-discovery, things like that, because that's all a part of mental health. It's just the fact is that word has been so stigmatized that people automatically are like, oh, oh God. And so that's even why we changed our name to mental empowerment retreat. You know, mm. instead of mental health, we sometimes will say mental health, mental, mental wellness and um, exchanging, but we do try to say mental empowerment to show people that you, it's all the same journey, but I think that we get that stigma there and it kind of pulls people back. But at the end of the day, we need to make sure that we're supporting one another and providing that open lane. Nobody's better than anybody. No one has life figured out. I don't care what degree you have. I don't care what expertise you have. No one has this thing called life figured out. 
So I always tell people that we are all trying to figure out this thing together. And if we can move back into that space and continue to remember that, and remember that it's okay that you don't got it together today, because last week I didn't have it together either. You know what I'm saying? Just everybody being on the same page and owning that. Do you find younger people are being more honest and are talking more about um, mental wellness than our generation? You know, the, the younger generation coming up because it's more kind of, they have all the platforms that we didn't have available to us and people are having conversations. Are you finding the younger kids are being able to embrace and say, hey, I'm feeling sad today versus me who's in my 40s. I'm like, oh, is this sad? Am I just in a bad mood? It's a yes and no because the suicide rates right now between the ages of like what nine and, and 12 are really, really high in the US right now. I mean, so in a sick way, it's like we do have more awareness, but at the same time, there's more places to get beat up emotionally and mentally. That makes sense. There's so much more access to get beat up to get to that dark place. So it's kind of like a double edged sword. While there is more room for awareness, there's more ways to break down that stigma. There's also more ways to break people down and to make them feel insecure, to make them feel not good enough. So it's, it, it, I would say, yes, we're more aware. That doesn't mean we're less likely to commit suicide at this point or go through those severe mental health issues. What are, what are you seeing today? How is the pandemic? impacting folks perhaps differently than before what are you seeing today can you give us some clear examples of what you're experiencing today with your clients and customers and, and what you're reading i see a lot of overwhelm like uh, across the board that that is always brought up overwhelm and and paralysis and if you think where do, about, where do you think the overwhelmingness and the paralysis is coming from so I, I think because we're in our amygdala. And so when we are in those regions of the brain where there's fear. Okay, so normally we will have one threat at a time. Maybe mm. um, in pre-COVID, uh, you guys, 57% of people said they felt paralyzed by stress. Pre-COVID, that was in 2019. Think about what that means now. Um, but you typically will have, you know, stress comes from a perceived threat. And typically there's maybe one perceived threat, maybe two, maybe the stock market plummeted and we're thinking, oh my God, I'm losing all my 401k. Maybe you have a kid, there's something going around at the school and you're thinking, oh my gosh, she's going to bring it home. Maybe there's, you see a natural disaster, you know, on TV, another mass shooting, right? Um, but there's typically one at a time. Right now we are having multiple threats constantly attacking us every single day at a rate and to a proportion that we are not used to. Quite literally, it's too much for our brains to process. We are in the place of fear in our amygdala that's fight, flight, or freeze. We right. can't fight it. We can't flee it. What's left? I mean, it's, it's almost like we're the, like the dead animal just waiting for it to pass. And it makes it very difficult for people to get things done little things like and it, it's if you have to just to make your bed in the morning create some small routine um but the overwhelm and the fear there's so much fear out there and um but there's there's also so much goodness occurring sure. in the world as well so we work a lot i work a lot on on tips and how to keep stress down i mean stress uh Sugri mentioned suicide heart attacks unnecessary heart attacks going up and, and heart conditions. And there's so many, all these things, all disease, 
comes from stress, some sort of stress to the mind and body. And if we need to focus on anything, it is reducing and managing our stress levels, right? It's dangerous. Absolutely, absolutely. Like doable. Thank you. This is, this is very, very good stuff. Sabria, how about you? What are you seeing? I'm getting a lot of people that are going back to the drawing board, reassessing their purpose. I mean, that right there is our single most popular retreat that we're having with our, especially our women clients that we're serving and our companies are wanting to help people kind of reconnect with why anything even matters anymore, yes. right? Because, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So people are kind of at this point of like, well, dang, should I even try at this point? If we're all going to get it and possibly die. I mean, that's really the mindset of a lot of people right now. And so just pulling them back to, wow, there's still work to be done here. There's still things that you can do here. So I try really hard to help people think about life as a moment by moment thing. Right now, you can only do what you can do in this moment. And we're doing the best that we can with the resources that we have in front of us. I tell people all the time, you are doing the best you can with what you have, right? So, you know, the purpose work I've been doing is just helping people figure out what is it that you value? Mm. What do you value? How does that tie into the work that you do? Even the daily tasks, simple things like sending emails, billing, how can you still tie your values and your greater whys and the things that are important to you with the little things you do in a day-to-day so that you can at least find purpose in the small moments? It's not always about some grand, oh, the clouds open, the angels come, and purpose, oh, purpose. You know, it's not like that, you know, and it's okay. But just understanding that purpose is the little moments just as much as the big moments. So that's been very popular. And we're both like so into empowerment and, and I like my, my very last client I just had came to me, like you're saying, felt like her life had no meaning and nobody would care. And I, I get that a lot. And I don't care if you've got a high school degree or a 10,000 degrees or whatever. We all have a unique purpose in this world. We all have a unique epic something unique to share and that's our gift to this world. And it's it, we to express it is really the goal. Um, I just lost my train of thought. I got so excited, but um, I'll chime in when I remember it. Okay. All right. I'm going to be vulnerable even more right now. When Lynn, when you said the word overwhelming, it's a word I've been sharing a lot. You know, typically people say, how you doing? How you doing, Jim? I always, I'm doing great. I woke up this morning. God has given me another opportunity to do what I do. If I'm not saying that, I hear myself saying, I'm overwhelmed. I'm working on myriad projects. Uh, it seems like I'm in more meetings now than I was before because of this thing called Zoom. I have international clients that are 11 and 12 hours time difference. So I'm speaking sometimes at 11 and 12 o'clock at night. What advice would you have for an overwhelmed entrepreneur? Well, if you have a little time to meditate, do it 10 minutes. If you don't have a lot, do, do it 20. Okay. Meditation is, I mean, you have to, and I used to have a team in California. Every hour on the hour was five minutes to get away from the computer screen, reset this. You're going to be far more productive when you do. And if you can only take two minutes at the top of the hour, do it but you have to calm the mind. Listen, after my injury, when my brain, when I started having bad quality thinking, um, I literally felt my brain swell. There, mm. are, there are reactions that create physical responses in the body and it makes it really hard. You get that brain fog 
whether or not you had an injury, you'll get that brain fog, slow down your thinking, and don't think you can go from incredibly high anxiety to bliss. It ain't gonna happen. Let's be, so you gotta shift. And so it's teaching, I teach my clients to make that shift. And if you, so you can't really get there from there, but you can go from high anxiety to kind of anxious, to relief, to content, to okay, happy or more productive, but sure. it's all in the quality of our thinking. And meditation is an amazing way to not only um, get familiar with, because that's what it means, get familiar with your mm. thought patterns mm -hmm. and your behavioral patterns, but also it's a stress reducer. It helps your blood pressure. It has myriad um, different benefits, but that would be my starting point anyway. So meditate wow. and just be still. Just, just be, be still. still, just calm the mind. I mean, there's zillions of things, but I would, I always start with that. Just, we want to calm this down to, because when we're in meditation, when you were asleep, and by the way, I start my morning routine before I go to sleep the night before, and I set the intention while I'm falling asleep. So that intention goes into the subconscious. Nice. Nice. But when you're, when, when you're asleep or when you're meditating, the thought stops. Or, and there's a way to, if, if you're so consumed and sometimes if you're in that state of overwhelm, you've got so much thought happening and it's, it's there, it's a process, but there's ways to shift your right. thinking to a better feeling experience, a better feeling thought, and then a better feeling thought, and then a better feeling thought, just whatever gives you that. And, and you know what, feel it in the body. Don't just think about an ocean. Think about an ocean and the breeze wafting over you and the smell of salty water and the sunlight and reflecting off the sand. Make it as sensory as possible. Mm -hmm. But yeah, meditation's huge. Thank you. Thank you. Sabria, how about you? Your thoughts? Yeah, so this is going to be deep. This is me. This is who I am. And one of the biggest things I say is reconnect with your anchors. And for me, my faith is one of the biggest anchors to my life. And I live every day in a state of peace and joy, despite the chaos of things going around me, because I have opened myself in a way that I had not before with my faith. And I think that it changed everything. And, and just to give you an example, you know, I had a crazy kind of situation that happened to me a couple months ago where I actually had a dream that the angel of death came to me. So people are gonna be like, Sabrina, you're nuts. Let me explain to y'all. I truly had this experience happen where the angel of death came to me and talked to me and said to you, Sabria, you know, do you, are you sure you wanna do this? Are you sure you wanna keep going? Are you sure you wanna deal with this? And I literally remember going back and forth with this beautiful woman that I knew she, I knew in my heart that she was. And I went back and forth with her. And finally I said, you know, well, am I gonna go to heaven at least? You know, you know, I'm over here trying to like, see if that's like even an option just in case. And she's like, well, yeah, you looks like you're on the list, but at the same time, you got a lot to do here. And I remember making the decision to stay. Ironically, re reading one of my spiritual books about miracles happening in life, yes. I opened the book a day later and the woman in the book that is different stories of different people. So each chapter is a different story. I opened to a chapter and it literally is a woman who was approached by the same angel of death. Wow. And that was a spiritual experience I had during this pandemic. And I said, look, we could talk about happenstance and possibilities and oh, and, and but it wasn't, it happened because for it to be that specific chapter that I read and that happened the night before. And so for me, I've been really opening myself to that space in my life, praying and being very just intentional about my life, you know, choosing 
to pray for positive things, knowing that I have nothing but good things coming from me. He is here not only to, to, to prosper me, but to bring me wealth and bring me great things in life. So just remembering that. So going through these small little spiritual experiences for me yeah. has settled me to a place where I know what the outcome is going to be for me at this point. I'm very confident in what the outcome is going to be. And so I know people are probably like, oh my gosh, what kind of crazy story is this? But you can't make these things up. I honestly could not have made that up if I wanted to. Um, so that's kind of been what's been grounding me and just having that clear faith. So whatever your anchor is, if it's in a spiritual faith, if it's in whatever you have that anchor in, use that anchor and really, really hone in into that anchor because it will keep you going throughout the, the wind. It'll keep you down to the ground, even though the hurricane is pulling you up, trying to pull you out and uproot you. That's good. That's good. Shannon, what's happening in the chat room? I, I see some smoke. What's happening? <laughs> uh, well, folks are agreeing with uh, Dr. Jones and saying, you know what, hey, when you work out in the morning and you hit the ground running, it, it really helps kind of set the pace for the day. Uh, Teresa McGlinchey is saying, sometimes we don't even know. Interesting and appreciate what Sabria had asked, says to herself to ask yourself, how are you feeling? What is wrong? Um, so she thanks you guys for that. And um, any questions out there? Let's see. We have, let's see. I don't know questions as much as comments. I do have good, good. in alignment with the uh, defund the police movement. Do you believe that the law enforcement re resources should be reallocated towards mental health professionals who could mm. respond to people in crisis side by side with the police? Or do you believe that the police should just be trained in mental health and how to better respond themselves? Wow. Wow. Sabria, you're nodding. Lynn, you're thinking. Who's going to take that one on? Oh, I love racial justice work. And I love all this work, policing, all that. It's so important to talk about. And I'm so glad we're being willing to talk about these things because it's a hard conversation, of course, for many people. My biggest thing is that there needs to be a combination between the two. Every case a mental health professional cannot respond to, right? So certain things, it's way too dangerous for a mental health um, professional to step in because they're not a police officer. But at the same time, police officers do need to have that mental health baseline because there are so many cases that are occurring that are people being un induced by a, a substance, people going through a breakdown. Um, I remember when my brother had his psychotic break being so terrified that something was gonna happen to him because ironically, the police had to escort him to the hospital. So imagine had he acted a certain way, I don't know how that could have turned out. And right. so I'm so grateful that they took care of him. They got into the hospital, he got what he needed, but it's, I think that it's very important that the police have both foundations of the mental health training and have their policing training. But I also think that there are efforts that need to be put in to bring mental health professionals to assist those, those efforts. Because it has been shown that when you bring a social worker in sometimes, or when you bring that person in, they can help bring that person back to a place of somewhat stability, at least for them to be reprimanded and taken where they need to go. So it needs to be a dual effort. I think they need to be trained together in the same room. It needs to be those conversations need to be happening. Social workers, mental health professionals, all need to be talking to the police together where it's a, a team effort. Because at the end of the day, you know, I think people get defund the police confused with just take away their salaries and throw the money God knows where. No, that's not what needs to be done. They're saying if we're going to, if there are funds that go to the police, what are these funds going for and what are they doing? And let's figure out how to reallocate those funds that will still contribute to a positive person police relationship. Wow, very good stuff. Thank you, thank you. Lynn, tell us a little bit about your book. You said it just came out last year. Yeah. 
bring us bring us home. What what steps? What tips do you offer? I'm sure we need to buy it, but some of the the, the key core principles of the book. Yeah, so it's it's the true account of my injury and then the healing process through that injury that took me um, to my place of purpose and and bliss um, through some pain of course, here and there. Um, so I, I outline really um, practical tools and strategies, those that I intuitively developed on my own just by listening to my body and getting really in tune with it. And I was fortunate because I was hypersensitive. All I had really at the time was my, I had no stimulation whatsoever, none for weeks. No light, no sound, no music, no phone, no TV, nothing. So I was literally alone with my thoughts. Wow. So I had a hypersensitivity to what was happening in my body every time I had a stressful event enter my field. So um, first, you know, awareness was big, um, number one. And I went through the impact imperatives earlier, so I won't rehash those. But mm -hmm. um, you know, in awareness through meditation, through somatic responses, and through our emotions. Um, I talk about how to shift your um, negative thinking, um, how to replace it, how to um, just select good feeling thoughts. How, how, um, how difficult was it for you to write it? Because you had to relive that experience. Yeah. Um, it it was hard at times. I'm not going to lie. It was really hard at times. Um, I tried at first to write this book and I was going to use my story to make it kind of this corporate-y, how to help people be more productive. Yeah. And it was a struggle, man. And then, and my editor said, no, th this part's really good. The rest crap. You're, you're going to do your story, just do your story. And then it flowed, but it was still mm. very hard because I had to go back to those journals and reread all the pain. And I was, a, like I said, highly functioning individual athlete. And then I was at about five to 10% capacity feeling like I was oh. 85 years old and not wanting to live because the pain got so bad. So reliving, I would cry sometimes. Think It was like I was reading somebody else's story and remembering that when they six months, six months into the process, when they finally tried to send me back to work, I didn't even know how to do my own job and trying to navigate those waters and doing this. So I, I think the only thing that got me through was these tools that I was developing for myself. And, um, but it was very difficult. I'm not gonna lie, it was very difficult. And, and I remember someone saying to me, <laughs> I can't believe you did this on your own. And I just started to weep because when you're going through it, yeah, you just go through it. And it's not until I read my story back and I went, my God, like by the grace of God, here am I, because I don't know how I got through it. I honestly don't, but I tried to use every single tool that I could remember and charts and graphs and, um, to help others, it's such a simple process. And I don't want this to be a shelf help book, like called shelf help book. Shelf help, that's good. Yeah, Hashtag stealing it. <laughs> yeah, because people read something they cognitively understand. But I think the piece that's missing is you, it needs to be experiential. This is why Sabria is so good at what she does. It has to be experiential. And people don't make changes based on what they know. They make changes based on how it feels. Yeah. So I'm hoping that that's what I'm also offering in my book, um, Altered on Impact, out on Amazon. 
I was getting ready to ask you, Lynn, how can we get a copy of the book? Where can we go? It's on Amazon. It's out there. Um, it's on Indeed Bound Barnes and Noble, but Amazon is primarily the place to get it. Um, it's called Altered on Impact. It's a paper book, um, ebook, uh, hardcover. Good stuff. And Good. on my website, um, lindelgadio.com. All right, we'll put that in the chat room. Sabri, I saw you lean in when Lynn was talking. Did you have a, a thought about the principles in the book or even, even the core Sabria principles that you utilize when you're doing your one-on-ones or your retreats? I mean, I'm right with Lynn. The process has to be experiential. You have to do mental health. You have to. We all think mental health, which we're in a society right now where that's kind of the level we're at. We're at think mental health, but we're not, we're not doing mental health just yet. Um, and I think that's where what we're doing is kind of people are like, what is this retreat? You know, when they reach out to me, it's a very specific experience for people that is not typical to many retreats. Many retreats has their, have their keynote speaker. They talk about a few topics. Let me tell you what your stress is doing to you. Let me tell you what's happening to you. I'm like, cool. We know what's happening to you. We know you already, you've watched so many seminars. You've watched the YouTube videos. The, the part is, is like, okay, now we know what's going on. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? You know what I'm saying? Where are we going to go from here? And so I have a very solution-based approach. That's what I believe in. And I think Lynn and I share that. You know, we, we're really focused on solutions, not kumbaya circles to just say, these are what's wrong. This is what's happening. That's an important piece. But I think we need to move into a society where we're going to be doing the process and we're going to be doing the things to improve our lives. And so that's where I'm at. I'm agreeing with her. And I think that's important. Let's talk about solutions then. How will you know we've turned the corner as a society relative to more embracing of mental health situations. What's that going to look like? How will you know? And what do you believe the future of mental health is? Yeah, I believe that it's injected into our day-to-day -day life. It's a way of life. It becomes something that just as much as you go to the doctor for a checkup, it's like second nature to call a coach or to call a therapist or to, it's going to be just a thing that you do. Instead of people saying, oh, you go to counseling or, oh, good job, you go to counseling. It's going to be like, oh, okay. So how did that, you know, it's, it's going to be just like, oh, how did your blood pressure test go when you went up the street? So that's how it's going to be. And also the goal is to save lives. We don't want more people committing suicide. We want these numbers to go down. I mean, for me, it's personal. I want to see it happen less. I've seen too many parents of young college people with in, in high school kids of these young children where they have a whole life ahead of them and they're feeling like their life is not worth living. So a place where we have a society of empathy, a society of acceptance, and a society where people feel value and worth to continue on their lives, even when they're in the hard parts, because it's the hard parts that get us there, right? We get to those hard parts and then we feel like there's no other way out of this thing. So being able to have other people to support you and combing you through the hard parts, whether that's a coach, therapist, yoga instructor, seeing mental health as multiple modalities, multiple modalities. Everybody wants to have this one way of mental health. There are, everybody has their own unique experience in their mental well-being journey, whether it's a little bit of Tai Chi, a, tai, a little bit of Tai Chi, a little bit of, um, of yoga instruction, a little bit of counseling, a little bit of coaching, whatever you need for your recipe of mental success you should have the, the ability to do it without any fear. Ah, good stuff. We'll get to you in a second, Lynn, the future of mental health. Shannon, what's going on out there? Question, comment? I'm share on, on um, uh, Sabria on the tail end of that, our beautiful and talented uh, Cecily Wilson had shared, shared, you know, we need to watch what we're watching. 
listen to who you are surrounding yourself with and you can increase your level of anxiety on that. And she said, you know, given the vice of Lyme, L, limit your intake and set a limit regarding your time. I, identify your intake and manage your intake and E, establish your intake. You know, create a ba boundaries to eliminate unhealthy things or people. So I just, you know, to add to what, to, to what you're sharing um, from Cecily. So uh, I thought that was pretty That's key. Good. Lime, lime advice, lime. lime advice. I like mine with a little bit of rum, but I'll take that too, Cecily. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Then how about you, the future of mental health? Yeah. And how I just, will you know when we've turned the corner, what will that look like? What do you want? What do you want to say? What will it look like and what will it feel like? It will feel so good. You know, I agree with Sabria too, but you know, physical health. Oh, you went to the gym. Awesome. You played tennis. Good for you. Oh, you went to a therapist. What's wrong? Are you okay? What's wrong with you? Like, it's just so backwards and it's in, we all need it. There's nothing wrong with self-care at all. And it starts here. And even us coaches need coaching where it's part of the human experience because we've got this thing called a brain that's gonna in our ego, right? That we have to navigate all that toxic thinking that's under the subconscious all the time. And it's, it's just part of the human experience. Um, and, you know, and our, so it, that stigma is going to be removed and it's just going to be part of everyday life and our wellness practicum. It, that, that's all it's going to be. And, and, you know, when we do have that toxic thinking, it's not, it, it doesn't just stop in our head. It actually, you know how like an e electroencephalogram, they put nodes to measure your brain activity. Magnetoelectric encephalograms, they measure from outside. So that means your your thoughts literally are broadcast out out into the world, and so there's like this collective consciousness, right? And the, and we have to take care of that each and every one of us. So, um, yeah, the stigma will be removed, and there's going to be you know back to the defunding police. I, we're going to see more people dedicating their, their lives to um, to mental well being um, because just sheer need is going to be so dramatic. I have one more for you. Sabria, I know you're a speaker, you love the microphone, and Lynn, I trust that you like the microphone too. <laughs> I want you to pretend that you're finishing a keynote on mental health. I mean, you are on a roll. You have one minute to bring it in. What words are you gonna leave the audience with? What words are you going to inspire, encourage? I want you to pretend right now you're at that keynote and you have thousands of people in the audience watching you right now. <laughs> I like for both of you, 60 seconds or less, bring this plane home, inspire, push, encourage, inform. Lynn, why don't you go first? Okay, I would say, listen, don't let those, those toxic thoughts that are the clouds, just, they're, are the, they're just the clouds that are surrounding that ever-present soul that is your sun. Let it shine because you are epic, you are worthy, you are here for a reason. God is within you and you are here to let that spirit shine. If you've ever been in front of somebody who you say to yourself, oh my God, I feel so powerful. They make me feel so powerful. It's because you are. No one can bring that out of you that's not already within you. So believe in yourself. And if you don't believe in yourself, 
find somebody who believes in you more than you do, like us. We want everybody to find their own truth and let it shine like a lighthouse, overlooking, letting that ship come in. That's what we're all here for. And I wish that I don't care what degree you have. I don't care. You know, I hate when people say you can't talk about leadership because you're not a leader. That's bull. We are all leaders and we all have something to show this world. I mean, that's how I bring it in because it's the darn truth. All right. Oh, all I love right. it. So, Bria, here's the baton. Bring us home. Yes. Someone once told me. You don't, you don't die, what is it? You die once, you live every day. <laughs> so on this journey, you are living, you are doing the process of your life. We are the sole architects of our lives and we design the outcomes. Every single day we create outcomes that we want for ourselves. We are what we fruition in our minds. We are what we say with our mouths. So you need to walk into a space of proudness of who you are. You need to walk into a space of becoming a tribe to others. You need to be home to the world. The world should feel home to you. You should feel home to the world. Mental health is the core of our society. Without that, you ain't got nothing. That's where I leave it. <laughs> Sabria, Lynn, wow. Wow. Thank you. We're gonna have to bring you back. You know that, right? It's been an honor. It's been fun. Ladies and gentlemen, I heard self-care. I heard pride. I heard eliminate the stories. I heard believe in yourself. Find someone to believe in you. Take care of yourself. This is not a game. This is not a game. But you have the power. My name is Dr. James Smith Jr. and you've just been impacted. We'll see you next week on the Dr. James Show. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.